just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Saturday. I got a pretty cool day planned. I'm first going to go see my grandson play soccer. His little sister, my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, will be running up and down the sideline. She will run me ragged. The one time I appreciate getting exercise, chasing that little goofball around. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then later I'm going to go see my grand nephew play football his brother and his sister will be there his mom and dad and uh, my brother and his wife are going to be there so i'm going to watch that football game and later we're going to have a get together with the family on my side and my brother's house so i got a full day packed of what's going on and i love those days when i get a chance to spend time with the family so i'm jacked about that but i have some very good news for you too Now, this show is going to be like any other show, like you'd expect to hear on the Rational Boomer podcast. But I got two very special shows coming up, one tomorrow and one Monday. Now, the one tomorrow is going to be one I recorded uh, yesterday, and it was with a listener. This listener's name is Emmy. She's about my age, and she's a retired teacher of 32 years. She is whip-smart got some interesting perspectives, and it was a great show. You definitely want to listen to that show on Sunday with listener Emmy here on the Rational Boomer podcast. But Monday is going to be extra special. Now, normally Monday I would record a regular podcast, and I may still do that. But I've got a podcast that I've been waiting to do, and I know you've been waiting to hear. Because finally, (laughs) I'm going to get the opportunity to sit down and talk to and debate with a Trumplafuck. Yeah, you heard me right. A purebred Trumplafuck is going to be on the Rational Boomer podcast. And I know this is going to happen because I already recorded it just probably an hour ago. And it went pretty much like you'd expect it. Now, what you have to understand is it was pretty civil. Now, most of the time when you get a uh, liberal if that's what you want to call me, and a uh, Trumplafuck talking, it gets out of hand. There's a lot of yelling and screaming. That didn't happen here. The guy that I'm talking to, I've known quite a while. He's younger than I am, but he, he worked at a station. He was more of a student at the station while I was working there. So I knew him when he was pretty young. And he was a guy trying to get into radio, and you know, all of us tried to help him out. But years later, he's now closing in on 50, and... Uh, he finds himself a Republican, a conservative, a Trumplafuck, if you will. And I mentioned the word Trumplafuck to him on the show. I don't think he liked it, but he didn't kick too much about it. Anyway, he's a working stiff like you and I, middle class, but somehow he loves the Republicans. And so we sat down and we talked about all the things that the Republicans like and all the things the Democrats are for, and we mixed it up a bit, as you might guess. And as I say, it didn't get out of hand. It wasn't unhinged or anything like that. It was actually a very good show. And uh, it went pretty much like you'd expect. 
but it is well worth listening to. And that's coming up Monday. Make sure you listen Monday and Sunday, because as I say, Emmy's coming up tomorrow on the Rational Boomer podcast. So a lot of good stuff coming your way. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm just glad we got a Trump fuck to sit down and talk to me. Now, I will say this. Uh, the gentleman who came on with me, his name is Brian Wallenberger. He has a podcast called The Brian Wallenberger Show. You probably don't want to listen to it, but if you do, go ahead. But he is a rabid Republican. He is a Trump fuck. And uh, if you want to give it a listen just to get a sense, you can do that. It's easy to find on Spotify and Amazon and all that stuff. But if you don't, I get it. I get it. It's it. I to be honest with you, I haven't listened to much of the podcast either because I hear this shit all the time and it just drives me crazy. But it was a good conversation. That's coming up Monday, so do not forget that. All right, let's talk about what's going on in the world today. And there's a lot of shit going on, as we know. Um, Judge Aileen Cannon has told Donald Trump's lawyers and the DOJ that she's interested in having a special master to look over the documents that Donald Trump stole. Now, clearly, DOJ is against that, and uh, they pretty much hammered her in a memo and gave her a way out. So we'll see what happens with that. We may not hear about that till next week. In fact, I'm sure we won't hear about it till next week. But also today... She told the DOJ and Donald Trump's team to come up with a list of prospects for the special master. Now, the Justice Department and Donald Trump's legal team proposed candidates Friday for the role of an independent arbiter in the investigation into the top secret documents found at the former president's Florida home. But the two sides differed on the scope of the duties the person would have. Lawyers for Trump said they believe the so-called special master should review all documents seized by the FBI during its search last month of Mar-a-Lago, including records with classification markings, and filter out any that might be protected by claims of executive privilege. Now, the DOJ said it does not believe the arbiter should be permitted to inspect classified records or to take into account potential claims of executive privilege. U.S. District Judge Aileen Cannon had both had given both sides until Friday to submit potential candidates for the role of a special master, as well as proposals for the scope of the person's duties and the schedule for his or her work. The Justice Department submitted the names of two retired justice, or judges, I'm sorry, Barbara Jones, who served on the federal bench in Manhattan and performed the same role in prior high-profile investigations, and Thomas Griffith, a former federal appeals court jurist in District of Columbia. The Trump team proposed one retired judge, Raymond Deary, also the former top federal prosecutor in the Eastern District of New York, and prominent Florida lawyer Paul Huck, Jr., Now, the back and forth over the special master is playing out amid the FBI investigation into the retention of several hundred classified documents recovered from Mar-a-Lago within the past year. 
Now, though, the legal wrangling is unlikely to have a major long-term effects on the criminal investigation or knock it significantly off course, it will almost certainly delay it and has already caused the intelligence community to temporarily pause a national risk assessment. Now, we talked about that yesterday. The DOJ has said to the judge, look, we can't look into national risk assessment under the terms of your decision. Now, the longer you stick to the terms of this decision, the irreparable harm that is going to be put upon this country is on you. Now, she's got to deal with that. Over the strenuous objections of the Justice Department, Cannon on Monday granted the Trump team's request for a special master and directed the department to temporarily halt its reviews of records for investigative purposes. She said the person would be responsible for sifting through the records recovered during August 8th search of Mar-a-Lago and filtering out any documents potentially covered by claims of attorney, client, or executive privilege. Now, we know executive privilege isn't a thing. It's only for a sitting president to assert. Roughly 11,000 documents, including more than 100 with classified markings, some at the top secret level, were recovered during the search. That's on top of classified documents contained in 15 boxes retrieved in January by the National Archives and additional sensitive government records the department took back during a June visit in Mar-a-Lago. The Justice Department had objected to the uh, Trump team's request for a special master, saying it already completed its own review in which identified a limited subset of records that possibly involved attorney-client privilege. It has maintained that executive privilege does not apply in this investigation because Trump, no longer president, had no right to claim the document as his. And that is absolutely true. The department on Thursday filed a notice of appealing of appeal indicating that it would contest the judge's order to the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Atlanta. Officials asked the judge to lift her hold on their investigative work pending their appeal, as well as her requirement that the department share with a special master the classified records that were recovered. It's not clear whether Trump or anyone else will be charged as of yet, but you have to know that's going to be there. The reason the DOJ doesn't want the special master to look at these things, first and foremost, if a document is classified, there is no way that it could be considered under executive or attorney-client privilege, simply because Donald Trump doesn't own those documents. Those are owned by the government. So how could they be attorney-client privilege or executive privilege if he doesn't even own the documents? And if he doesn't even own the documents and they aren't under those privileges, the special master shouldn't have to see them. And if they are able to get the judge to carve this section out, they'll be able to continue with their investigation and their risk management of what kind of damage may have been done with these documents. This judge got herself painted into a corner. She looks horrible right now. She looks incompetent and she's getting all kinds of heat. It's going to be interesting to see if she's smart enough to kind of back out and settle things down or if she's an idiot and she's crazy and she's going to just double down. We don't know what she's going to do. She's a Donald Trump freak, so anything is fucking possible. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, 
<clears throat> this is interesting. This comes from attorney Ty Cobb, a former White House lawyer who served as a special counsel to Donald Trump in 2017 and 2018. Now, Ty Cobb, his former attorney, called the disgraced former president a deeply wounded narcissist in an interview with CBS News reporter Mark Major Garrett on the Takeout podcast. My personal view is that it's less a character issue than a personality defect, Cobb told Garrett. I believe former President Trump to be a deeply wounded narcissist, and he is often incapable of acting other than in his perceived self-interest or for revenge. Cobb told Garrett that narcissism and revenge were the two compelling instincts that guide his actions and inherently... Um, prevent Trump from admitting he lost the 2020 election and from listening to his own advisors. Now, keep in mind, this is his former lawyer. This is his former big-time lawyer. Now, Donald Trump can't afford big-time lawyers anymore because he doesn't pay them. So now he's stuck with some TV-talking heads that happen to have law degrees who are fucking things up immensely for Donald Trump, and it's not going to do well. It's not going to bode well for Donald Trump. Sadly, I think he's gone through some talented advisors, good advisors, chewed him up and is working with a way too many people who tell him what he wants to hear. Yes, men, if you will. Cobb told Garrett, the former White House attorney, said abject narcissism kept Trump from believing his former attorney general, William Barr, as well as the Justice Department entirely, who repeatedly told Trump that widespread voter prod wasn't to blame for his loss to Joe Biden in 2020. Cobb recently told NBC News that Trump has been cashing in on the big lie, which has brought him millions in donations, which some evidence suggests may have been mishandled. He also bemoaned how many Republican officials continue to propagate Donald Trump's lie. You see, that's another thing that's going on. All this money he's collected, apparently there's some concerns of it being mishandled. So now that's yet another investigation into Donald Trump and his money. He thought he could game the system by not announcing being president and that he had free reign with all the money he collected. Well, now people are getting hip to that, and now there's an investigation into that as well. I think it is so tragic, Cobb told Garrett. I criticized the current administration modestly earlier by saying they have no interest in healing. Trump has no interest in healing either. I don't think, sadly, that the future of America is enhanced by either position. Well, that's funny he would say that, uh, former lawyer, because prosecuting and uh, convicting somebody who's committing a crime is simply justice. And isn't that what lawyers are seeking? Justice? And if you're not seeking justice, are you in fact a lawyer? Cobb added that the Justice Department has signaled that they intend to prosecute Trump no matter what. While many pundits believe Trump's illegal mishandling of classified documents will spur charges, Cobb is confident his downfall will come elsewhere. Well, Donald Trump's downfall could come any number of places. I think the president is in serious legal water, not so much because of the search, but because of the obstructive activity he took in connection with the January 6th proceeding and the attempts to interfere in the election count, Cobb told Garrett. Yeah, Donald Trump's got any number of ways that he's going to be taken down. 
The documents are one thing, but you got Georgia, you got New York, you've got the January 6th committee and the January 6th grand jury. There's a lot of stuff hanging over Donald Trump's head, and one of them, at minimum, one of them is going to take him down. There's just no question about it. Now, here's something interesting, something you'd expect out of Donald Trump. Donald Trump and the U.S. Department of Justice on Friday, as I mentioned, introduced new court filings in the battle over a special master in the courtroom. Prosecutors recommended retired judge, again, Barbara Jones, retired appeals court judge Thomas Griffith. Trump lawyers suggested Judge Raymond Deary and Paul Huck Jr., who is listed as a former general counsel of Florida's governor, DeSantis. Now, the two sides also clashed substantially over the duties of the special master. Mr. Trump's lawyers argued about the arbiter. We went through all that stuff. But something interesting um, here, former Deputy Assistant Attorney General Harry Littman tweeted, importantly, Trump doesn't argue that he had declassified material. He doesn't argue that he had declassified material. He had no declassified material. He declassified no material. Littman was not the only legal expert to focus on the importance of the omission. National Security uh, uh, Attorney Bradley Moss wrote, with yet another court filing, it is increasingly clear there is no evidence of Trump's alleged standing declassification order and no evidence that these particular classified records were ever declassified. Former Pentagon Special Counsel Ryan Goodman wrote, Gosh, I wonder why President Trump's side did not claim he declassified MAL documents and instead just said, Milk Toast Line. Easy bet. Why did he not say he had uh, declassified documents? Now, he's been saying that all the time. Well, these were declassified. These were declassified. But in this, in this response that they wrote, they did not mention that he had any declassified um, documents. Why would he omit that? Well, it's easy. Because they do not want to be caught in a false statement to a court subject to sanctions in 18 U.S.C. 1001. You see, they make all these claims on television and on True Social, but they're not under oath. In these documents, they have to tell the truth and they'll have to tell the court. And if they lie to the court, well, that's a big problem. And even if Donald Trump doesn't care, I can guarantee you (laughs) that his lawyers care because they are already in trouble for saying that there were no more top secret documents, signing a document to that effect, and then having the FBI come in and find a shitload more. And that was kind of Merrick Garland's play to take out a part of their complaint. The idea that they may have disc- or he may have disc- declassified any documents. Well, he didn't. There is no evidence that he did. None of the documents say declassified on them, which they would if they were, in fact, declassified. So Donald Trump is spewing this all over the place while he's on in the media, but he won't do it under oath. At least his lawyers won't allow him to do it under oath because that is perjury. So that basically took one of their defenses out of the out of the narrative. 
Now they really can't use that anymore because they didn't say it in this document and they're afraid to do it in court because they know it's a fucking lie. Now, this is typical of Donald Trump, too. (laughs) This is kind of funny. They ask for a special master, correct? Donald Trump's attorneys. Donald Trump's attorneys suggested that the Department of Justice pay for half of the cost of a special master, which prosecutors have made clear they oppose. In a Friday evening court filing before controversial Judge Aileen Cannon, Trump's defense team submitted a proposed order for a special master to oversee the documents the FBI seized at Mar-a-Lago. Now, in their stipulations, they said each party will bear 50 percent of the professional fees and expenses of the special master and any professional support staff and expert consultations engaged at the special master's request, Trump's team suggested. Well, isn't that interesting? The DOJ doesn't want a special master. Why should they have to pay for half? They don't think a special master is necessary and they have evidence to prove why why it isn't. But still, Donald Trump's team trying to pinch pinch pennies and trying to save money or make money. What what he's probably thinking of doing is getting one of his special masters, billing the DOJ for ridiculous amounts of money, pocketing most of it, and then giving some to the special master. We know Donald Trump's game, and, and how stupid would that be? You're hanging by a thread. You're going to be indicted, and you're still trying to grift money. <laughs> that is a set of cojones or abstract illigence. Uh, into, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm talking too fast here. Uh, what I'm trying to say is abject ignorance. But we know that Donald Trump has all of that. Now, the DOG... DOJ disagreed, writing that Trump, as the party who requested the special master, will bear 100% of the professional fees and expenses of the special master and any professional support staff, expert consultations engaged in the master's request. That seems fair. You want the special master? You fucking pay for it. Former Assistant Attorney General Elliot Williams explained, this is one of those facts people may, might not realize about the process. Someone has to pay for the special master. DOJ being justifiably snippy here by saying, why are you asking us to pay for something we don't need and only you want? Judge or Jan Wolf, a legal affairs reporter at the Wall Street Journal, noted one of the candidates charged $700 an hour in 2018. Former U.S. Attorney Barbara McQuaid said, this sounds a lot like Mexico will pay for the wall. (laughs) It's amazing. It's truly fucking amazing that uh, Donald Trump would try to pull this off. You know this wasn't the lawyer's choice. See, that's the thing with Donald Trump. He is pressuring his lawyers. And this is why Donald Trump is such a bad client. Now, lawyers should know what's right, what's wrong, what's a good idea, what's not a bad idea, and they should be allowed to make those decisions. That's why you hire a lawyer, to do things you know nothing about. But Donald Trump doesn't think that way. He thinks he's smarter than anybody, and nothing that has happened over the last six years would suggest he has any intelligence at all. But what he does is he goes to the lawyers and say, I want this, make it happen, even though it may not be feasible. That's what Donald Trump fucking does. 
So you've got to have some lawyers that are weak enough to do what Donald Trump tells them, even if it gets them in trouble. I'll give you a case in point. The FBI says you haven't given us all of the classified documents. Donald Trump's lawyers writes a document, signs a document, swearing to the fact that there are no more top secret documents in Mar-a-Lago. But surprise, surprise, the FBI goes in and does a fucking search. And what do they find? A whole shitload of top secret documents. Now, this spells trouble for those lawyers. They lied to the FBI and they could lose their law license and they could go to jail for doing such a thing. That is, of course, unless Donald Trump told them to say that and they didn't know any better and they were just doing what their client suspected. Well, that's not good either because that might get them partially off the hook for lying to the FBI. But in the process, they have to throw their client under the bus, Donald Trump. Well, we didn't want to say that. Donald Trump told us to say it. and We just believed it. Really? Donald Trump has done nothing but lie for fucking six years. And you lawyers are supposed to be smart. You went to Harvard, Yale, that kind of shit. But even you can't detect a lie from a client who's known for lying? Yeah, the lawyers in this case aren't in good shape. They've got some problems. And the whole idea of what they talked about before in terms of uh, not mentioning that Donald Trump held any declassified documents was very very specific. Merrick Garland set a trap for them in that situation. He was just waiting for them to say that uh, he had all these declassified documents because we can prove that they're not declassified. There is a process you have to go through, and nobody around Donald Trump said there was any such process. And as I told uh, my trump friend in the podcast I recorded earlier, did you notice the picture of all the top secret documents on the floor. And he kind of, you know, he said, yeah. I said, if any of those documents were declassified, there would be a stamp on it that said declassified. Did you see any of that? And of course he said, well, I don't know, but I think, I don't care what you think. What are the facts? What are the facts? And we know the facts. And in this process, Donald Trump is putting his lawyers at risk. That's why he's run through so many lawyers, not only because he doesn't pay them, but he tries to force them to do things that are notably illegal. And any good lawyer would say, I can't do this. I got to go. But apparently the lawyers he has now aren't that good because they're willing to lie and they're willing to deceive people just to make Donald Trump happy. Well, we know how that's gone over the last six years. There's been a lot of people that tried to appease Donald Trump. Some of them are in fucking jail right now. Many of them are risking going to jail. You would think a good lawyer would notice that. You would think a good lawyer would say, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that, Donnie. Maybe we should just tell the truth. But Donnie is incapable of telling the truth. He does not want to tell the truth. He won't tell the truth. And he's forcing his lawyers not to tell the truth. This is why I say Donald Trump will certainly go down. He will certainly be indicted. But there are a lot of people around him that have helped him all along the way that are going to go down even harder because they don't have the protection of being former president. And Donald Trump has no power to do fucking anything with regards to that. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Before we get back into it, again, a reminder, tomorrow, the Rational Boomer podcast will feature listener Emmy. She's a retired teacher after 32 years. She's a very sharp lady, has some great insights, and it's a good show. Be sure you check that out on Sunday. And on Monday, as promised, I'm going to sit down. I've already sat down. I've already recorded this, so I know kind of how it went. And uh, on Monday, we will be playing the Rational Boomer podcast where I sit down with a dyed-in-the-wool Trump LaFuck. Oh, I've been waiting for this time. I know you've been waiting for it, too. And surprisingly, it went pretty civilly, but it kind of went the way you'd expect. It was fun for me, I got to say. Now, I know the guy I interviewed, I've known him a long time because we had some connection at a radio station way back when. He's much younger than I am. Uh, He was a student at the time, and I was uh, a working professional at the time. Um, So I've known him, and it it wasn't quite as contentious. Uh, This particular Trump LaFuck isn't uh, somebody who tends to yell and scream and such. So it actually went pretty well. But that's coming up Monday. That's something I've been hoping to be able to do, and I know you've been looking forward to it too. So make sure you check out Monday's Rational Boomer podcast. I know you're going to like that one. And you're going to like the one tomorrow too with uh, listener Emmy. All right. Well, two more of Donald Trump's top White House advisors have been issued subpoenas by a federal grand jury investigating the January 6th insurrection. Now, hear what I said there. Subpoenas from a federal grand jury. We're not talking about the January 6th Select Committee. This is a federal grand jury. This is having to do with the law. The January 6th Committee is more an evidentiary or uh, exposing evidence That's what their job is. They can't indict or prosecute anybody. That goes to the federal grand jury. And these subpoenas have come from the federal grand jury. And these subpoenas, you can't say, well, I just don't want to come. That isn't an option with a federal grand jury. Now, Brian Jack, the final White House political director under Mr. Trump, and this is the one I love the best, and Stephen Creepy Miller. Mr. Trump's top speechwriter and a senior policy advisor were among more than a dozen people connected to the former president to receive subpoenas from a federal grand jury this week, the New York Times reported Friday evening. Now, this is an interesting thing. You know why you impanel a grand jury to get indictments. And now... They're looking at people that were very close to Donald Trump. So you wonder, where might those indictments go? Maybe Mark Meadows, maybe Donald Trump himself, maybe members of Congress. We see that the grand jury for the Department of Justice is getting closer to Donald Trump. Now, the newspaper reports Jack remains an advisor for the former president and House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy. It's going to be interesting to see what he says. Does he plead the fifth? If he does plead the fifth, then what is he guilty of? They'll have to dig into that and find out. The subpoenas seek information in connection with the Save America Political Action Committee and the plan to submit slates of electors pledged to Mr. Trump from swing states 
that were won by Joseph R. Biden Jr. in the 2020 election. Mr. Trump and his allies promoted the idea that completing slates or competing slates of electors would justify blocking or delaying certification of Mr. Biden's Electoral College win during a joint session of Congress on January 6th. Yeah, you know, they thought they were pretty sharp, these fake electors. They thought they could pull the wool over somebody's eyes. I don't think in their wildest dreams these people that were the fake electors or the people putting together these fake electors, all they had in mind was trying to own the libtard, you know? I don't know that they considered the fact that what they were doing was highly illegal. So now we got a bunch of people that thought they were hot shots as fake electors now getting indicted, now going to court, now getting convicted. Miller discussed the fake elector scheme on Fox News in December of 2020. So naturally, he is a solid witness for the grand jury. The subpoenas were issued to a wide range of people who either worked in the White House or on the Trump campaign, including senior officials like the campaign's chief financial officer, personal aides to Mr. Trump, and the former chief of staff to Ivanka Trump, the president's daughter, who also served as one of his senior advisors. The Times reported among the recipients of the subpoenas from a grand jury sitting in Washington are relatively junior aides from the White House and Mr. Trump's 2020 campaign, while the subpoenas asked Ask for information concerning Save America. They also sought communications with several pro-Trump lawyers like Kenneth Cheesebro, who helped devise the electors' plans. They thought they were pulling a fast one, but instead they were breaking some serious laws. And now that's going to come to pass, and people are going to be going after these people. As I've said before, Donald Trump's going down. He'll get an indictment from one of these things. There's so many investigations. One of them, minimum, is going to fall on Donald Trump. But all the people around him, all the people that helped him do these things, they're at risk of getting indictments as well. Now, here's something interesting, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. And I don't know if the timing is good. 72 House Democrats are signing on to a letter pressing Democratic leaders to not include a side deal with Senator Joe Manchin on reforming the permit process for energy products in a bill funding the government. The permitting reform language was offered to Manchin to win his vote on the massive climate, tax, and health care bill known as Inflation Reduction Act that was signed into law by President Biden last month. Manchin provided the critical support to get the bill through the evenly divided Senate after winning concessions from Democratic leaders. But in the new letter, the Democratic lawmakers are asking Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer not to include the permitting reforms championed by Manchin into a stopgap funding measure that Congress is expected to take up this month. Without a stopgap funding measure, the government will shut down on October 1st. 
the inclusions on these provisions in a continuing resolution or any other must-pass legislation would silence the voices of frontline and environmental justice communities by insulating them from scrutiny, the lawmakers wrote. We urge you to ensure that these provisions are kept out of a continuing resolution or any other must-pass legislation this year. They added in a letter that was spearheaded by Representative um, Raul Grijalva. The opposition from Democrats is a significant problem. If the group follows through on the letter, Democrats might not have the votes to pass a government funding bill if it includes the language backed by Joe Manchin. Now, we talk about the far right causing problems, but we have to be honest. Sometimes those far left progressives cause problems, too. They're more concerned about their own agenda than the general agenda of the Democratic Party. Now, if they cut a deal with Manchin to get something done, whether we like that deal or not, the deal has been done. They should follow through with it. The only other option is to wait till after the midterms when Joe Manchin is no longer (coughs) consequential because they've got enough people in the Senate, just bypass him and pass something else. See, that's the problem. The progressives are saying, okay, if you do this, we're going to do this, and then maybe we won't, uh, uh, the, the government will get shut down. They're trying to use leverage. And I understand that, and I don't disagree with them necessarily. But now is not a good time to fucking do that, not in October with the midterms. But see, the progressives know that. They know that they're going to get the regular Democrats or hope the Democrats will bend because they're worried about the midterms. But you see what the progressives are doing, in my mind, as much as what they want is probably good. At this point, we need to get as many deals done as we can by the midterms and then reset after the midterms, hopefully in a stronger position, and then get what we want. We don't want to risk the idea of getting what we need before the midterms so the Democrats can win in the midterms. It's not all about the progressives. It's about the general cause of the Democratic Party. Now, whether you like the Democratic Party or not, and I'm not so sure I like them, they are the better option over the Republicans. And that is a dumpster fire going on over there. So we have to side with the the Democrats in order to get enough things passed and done so they can win the midterms, so then they can completely shut down the Republicans. The idea of putting a fly in the ointment before the midterms, that's problematic to me. And that that puts me off on the progressives a little bit. You got to play the fucking game. You can't play leverage against your own people. When they announced the agreement on the major climate tax and health care bill, Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer and Manchin said that they, along with Pelosi and President Biden, had reached a deal to pass permitting reform by October to secure Manchin's vote. You cut a deal to get Manchin's vote. At this point, Manchin's vote is essential. Just fucking do the deal. Stop dicking around. Stop playing power games. It may not be what you want, but we have to get to a place where we can get what we want. And we can't get there if you fuck around before the midterms and something like this doesn't pass and the government shuts down. That can only work against the Democrats. And, you know, the Republicans are going to use that. And, well, the progressives know that, too. So they think they can progress uh, uh, pressure 
the Democrats. This, this, this is a fucking game we don't need right now. We don't need this game right now. Everything is going in their, going their way with the Democrats. Let's just ride this out, get what we want, and then we can play the dicking around games. And that's what, that's what these government officials do. They're constantly dicking around. This, this bothers me. Schumer, now, now don't get me wrong. If we could shove it down Manchin's throat, I would love that. But this is a non-starter. This isn't going to be a winner for the Democrats. Schumer has already said publicly that he would include the provisions in a stopgap funding measure known as continuing resolution. Because that was the deal. That was the deal they cut. So now what the progressives are saying, well, maybe we won't vote for it then. Stop it. Fucking stop it. The progressives are part of the reason why Hillary Clinton didn't win. They stuck with Bernie, even though he wasn't the candidate. Now, I like Bernie, too, but that wasn't in the best interest of this country. And by doing that, Donald Trump wins the presidency. So if progressives or any other Democrat thought they'd try to make a point by voting for for uh, um, Bernie as opposed to Hillary, well, then you're partially responsible for what happened with this fucking shit show called Donald Trump. Legislative text on these reforms have not yet been released, but a summary from Manchin's office said they would set maximum time timelines for environmental reviews, assessing an energy project's potential climate and pollution impacts, restrict states' abilities to block projects that run through their waters, and require the president to prioritize certain projects. Now, you see what I'm saying here? I don't disagree with the progressives. I don't. But we got a game we're playing here. Don't fuck up the game before you've won. Win the game and then take it to them and do whatever the fuck you want. That just seems to be common sense. And after what happened in 2016 to Hillary, have you not fucking learned a lesson? Specifically, the president will be required to prioritize permitting for a balanced list of projects, including both fossil fuels and renewable energy. The summary also said the package will require the completion of the Mountain Valley Pipeline, a controversial vessel that would carry natural gas from West Virginia to Virginia. Now, I understand why the progressives don't want that, but if it only affects Virginia and West Virginia, who the fuck cares at this point? Joe Manchin has to fucking pay the price if things go wrong. This is about uh, this is about a power play, and this is what I don't like, and this is what the Democrats typically do. It's not going to screw up the midterms, but it's certainly not going to fucking help. Grijalva previously told The Hill that he didn't feel an obligation to vote for the changes since he was not part of the negotiations with Manchin. He has argued that members should not have to choose between funding the government and voting for changes that they oppose. Yeah, but the deal was cut. And who cut the deal? Your leader. The person you voted in as leader did it. So in a way, you did agree to it. Now, in the new letter, the lawmakers said they support bolstering the environmental review process by providing more funding for a government agencies, but oppose attempts to short-circuit or undermine a key environmental law requiring the reviews. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what happens on this. But as I say, the Democrats need to get the win first before they start 
acting like dickheads. They're politicians, so they're going to be dickheads. I want this or I'm going to fucking pout. Sorry, this is not the time to do it. I don't disagree with what you want, but the deal was cut. Let's get the deal done. Let's get what we expected out of it and not be butthurt about it. Let's win the midterms and then fuck the Republicans. Fuck Joe Manchin and do whatever you want. Just be fucking patient here. All right. So Vice President Kamala Harris on Friday said she is concerned about the integrity of the Supreme Court in wake of the decision to strike down Roe v. Wade, which had protected the right to receive an abortion for decades. You think? You think that's a problem with the Supreme Court? I do like the fact that Kamala is speaking out. You know, at some point, she's got to do something. Now, she may have been doing a lot of things, but the fact of the matter is we don't really see it. So the perception that people have is that Kamala has been pretty quiet, pretty inconsequential, and really not part of the system. Now, as I told you, I think they're keeping her on the DL just to not do anything to screw up the midterms. Once the midterms are over and assuming the Democrats, well, either way, if the Democrats win or lose, but assuming the Democrats win the House and the Senate, then you're going to see a lot of showcasing of Kamala Harris. Um, She's going to be in the media a lot because the Democrats are going to want to showcase her as a possible presidential candidate. Up to this point in the first two years, she has showed us nothing. And I hate to say that because I liked her. I still like her. I just don't know anything about her. And people have to learn about Kamala Harris before they can be considered a possible candidate for the 2024 election. And as much as she may or may not be the best choice for the 2024 election, just by virtue of being vice president, if Joe Biden should not run in 2024, she would be the heir apparent to the candidacy in 2024. Anything short of that would be kind of a snub, and that would not bode well for Kamala Harris. So this may be the start of getting Kamala in front of the cameras and saying things that get people thinking. Maybe not, but I think that's what's going to happen after the midterms. I think this is an activist court, Harris told NBC's Meet the Press when asked about her confidence in the court. It means that we had established right for almost half a century, which is the right of a woman to make decisions about their own body as an extension of what we have decided to be the privacy rights to which all people are entitled to. Harris continued, and this court took the constitutional right away, and we are a suffering nation because of it. That causes me great concern about the integrity of the court overall, Harris added, calling it a very different court from the one served by Justice Earl Warren, Thurgood Marshall, and Sandra Day O'Connor. Harris has taken a leading role in the Biden administration in pushing back on the Supreme Court's decision to reverse Roe v. Wade. 
The vice president, who is the first woman to hold the role, has met with health care providers and activists in recent months to voice support for abortion access and reproductive health. Democrats have ridden the wave of outrage over the court decision to win in the ballot box, including in Kansas, where voters rejected a referendum that would have stripped abortion protections from the state constitution. The Republicans thought they had a dick there. They put it up on the uh, ballot and they fucking lost. Now they're nervous. (laughs) It seems silly, but now they're realizing, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade may not be the best for us getting votes. You think? I mean, 73% of this country supported Roe v. Wade. 51% of this country, all women, had a constitutional right taken away from them. Who would have ever imagined that that would cost them votes? And now they are seeing it. I tell you what could happen with this Roe v. Wade thing. And it's as simple as this. If the Democrats win the Senate, get a couple, maybe three more, two or three more um, senators, Democratic senators in the U.S. Senate, what they then can do is after the elections and after everybody takes their positions, they can ultimately codify Roe v. Wade, which makes all this other mess that Texas and Oklahoma and all these fucking places did go away. All they have to do is codify it. Since the House has already passed it, now they have to get the Senate. The only way to get the Senate to to do it is to have, instead of a 50-50 split, maybe a 52 or uh, 53-47 split. And that would give them enough room to carve out the uh, filibuster and get it codified. That's what could conceivably happen. That's what I'm expecting to happen should the Democrats do well in the midterms. But we'll see. This is something that has been a non-starter for the Republicans, and they are surprised. In talking to the Trump LaFuck, uh, Brian Wallenberg I said, this one call, this overturning Roe v. Wade, or murdering babies, as the uh, Trump fuck said, is not a big deal to the people of this country. Well, if you think that, you're not paying a fucking attention. There is a mass outrage about overturning Roe v. Wade. Even red states are voting against it. Why? Well, because we have 73% of the public that support Roe v. Wade. That's not all women. That's not all Democratic women. There are Republican women. There are Democratic men and Republican men that support this. If you are pissing off 73% of this country, how do you figure that's going to get you votes? I asked uh, Brian Wallenberg that, and you'll hear that in the show. He didn't have an answer. And the reason he didn't have an answer is not because he's not smart. It's because there is no answer. That makes no fucking sense. It can't do it. Now, the Supreme Court has a 6-3 conservative majority, even with the confirmation of Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, who joined the court in July upon the retirement of former Justice Stephen Breyer. An Associated Press poll released in late July found that 43% of Americans don't have any confidence in the Supreme Court, an increase of 16 percentage points since April. That is a big deal. If the general public has no confidence in the Supreme Court, 
For all intents and purposes, we don't have a Supreme Court. A Supreme Court should be above reproach. Everybody should trust the Supreme Court. But when 43% of the people don't have any confidence in the Supreme Court for good reason, that is a big problem. And that is another problem that needs to be addressed and something that Kamala Harris will probably be involved in. Again, everything hinges on the midterms. If the Democrats can get a little bigger lead in the House, if they can get a bigger lead in the Senate, then things are going to change. Along with codifying Roe v. Wade, some of these other bills that they've had trouble getting passed because of Manchin's pain-in-the-ass attitude, they'll start getting passed, and good things will happen to the people in the middle class. But you know what else is probably going to happen? What's probably going to happen is that they are going to stack the Supreme Court meaning put more Supreme Court justices on the bench to dilute this conservative majority. And it's not just about being a conservative majority. We've got at least three or four Supreme Court justices, conservative Supreme Court justices, that are incompetent, inept, should not even be on the court. Now, short of uh, uh, impeaching them, and there hasn't been much success with that in the past, short of that, the next thing they can do is stack the court. Now, there's every good reason to stack the court. When we put nine Supreme Court justices in the Supreme Court, it was because we had nine circuits, nine circuit courts. So we had nine Supreme Court justices. Well, that was years and years and decades ago when they did that. There are more people in this country requiring more representation. And as proof of that, we now have 13 circuits, 13 circuit courts. So it only seems natural that we would have 13 Supreme Court justices based on the way they put nine in. Now, if we have 13 Supreme Court justices, that would mean that Joe Biden would have to install four more and four more, presumably liberal uh, uh, Supreme Court justices would balance things out. Now, as far as I'm concerned, if you think the Supreme Court should be fair and balanced, then why shouldn't the number of conservatives and, and, and liberals be balanced? Why does it have to be a fucking lottery? And I'm talking about Democrats or Republicans. If you happen to be in power, you stack it in your favor so you get everything you want. That's not about justice. That's about partisanism. And regardless of which side, partisanism in the Supreme Court just does not fit. It it diminishes the integrity of the court. In a perfect world, in my mind, we would have... um, If we had only nine judges, we would have four conservative, four liberal, and uh, Supreme Court justice, the chief justice, be an impartial party to either side. Now, I don't even know if you can do that, but if you wanted a truly unpartisan or bipartisan Supreme Court, that's what you would have to do. I don't want to see six Republican to three Democrat um, 
Supreme Court justices any more than I want to see six Democrat and three Republican. If it's supposed to be fair and balanced, if it's supposed to be about justice, then let's have justice. Let's not have a partisan lottery depending on who's in power. Because that doesn't serve the people. And it doesn't instill confidence in our Supreme Court. And without confidence in our Supreme Court, we, as I said, don't have a fucking Supreme Court. We have just another fucking court. A court like, well, I don't know, Aileen um, Cannon oversees in her district court. She is absolutely partisan. She's stupid. She's inept. And she's going to be taken to task for that. Okay, that can happen with federal courts. That should not happen in the Supreme Court. It must be above reproach. It must be balanced. It must be fair. And it must be working only on justice. Our current Supreme Court isn't doing that. If it was dealing with justice only, we would not have Roe v. Wade overturned. All these justices said, oh, yeah. That's settled law. I wouldn't do anything for that. And then when they got the opportunity, they did just the opposite. They lied to Congress in order to get that job. That isn't the sign of a balanced, fair Supreme Court that is concerned with only justice. So in the midterms, if the Democrats win, look for Joe Biden and the Democrats to try to stack the uh, the court, the Supreme Court. And to be honest, they have every right to do that. In fact, it should be done. The court should be expanded. Whether Republicans or Democrats were in power, it should be expanded because this country has grown. Our population has grown. And it's been a long time since we readjusted our Supreme Court. Time is now. Time is appropriate given all the bullshit going on, given the fact that there's no confidence in our Supreme Court. Now is the time. So it'll be interesting to see if the Democrats get the power if they actually pursue that. I think it's absolutely crucial that they do. Otherwise, we aren't fixing this country. We've got to have a fair Supreme Court, and we do not have that right now. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast again tomorrow. We've got listener Emmy. That's going to be a good show. Monday, I've got Brian Wallenberg, who is a Trumplican. Excuse, and I say that with all due, um, all due um, respect. <laughs> I told him that. I said, uh, now I use the term Trumplefuck, but I mean that with all due respect. And he just kind of nodded, and I don't know what he was going to say anyway. But anyway, Brian Wallenberg is going to be on a Monday, and it's going to be an interesting show. And I know this because I already did the fucking show. I know what it sounds like. All right, so you have a great day. You have a fun day. It's the weekend. And we will talk to you again tomorrow with listener Emmy. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.